A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. Hi, welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay, and it's the last episode of the year. Yes, it's the last episode of 2019. Do you need to do your 2020 joke again, or are we good? Uh, no, I think we'll do that at the end. Because it's the last episode of the year, this is basically like a best of A Gay and a Non-Gay for 2019. In this episode, you're going to hear from our amazing chat with Megan Phelps Roper, who used to be in the Westboro Baptist Church, which is a homophobic church. Yeah, if you love religious vibes. You'll also hear what happened when Dan and I went to Northern Ireland to chat to a man who believes he can convert people from gay to non-gay. He calls it gay conversion therapy. I call it bullshit. That's coming up. You'll also hear me talking about that documentary on BBC Radio Suffolk. What? You're not playing that out again. <laughs> Whilst getting chased by a dog. Uh, all thanks to James Barr. Uh, you'll also hear we did a whole stint in Edinburgh this year. We did nine different shows with, I think, 18 different guests. Yeah, We're gonna you, play. you won't hear all of that you'll just hear a couple of our favorite moments plus we also chatted to matthew todd former editor of attitude magazine at the london podcast festival we had an amazing chat about shame and its effect on the lgbtq plus community yep so here is our best of enjoy our episode today and we can't wait to see you in 2020 plus we're going on tour you can get tickets now gaynongay.com slash live welcome to a gay and a non-gay I think it took me ages to get to a place of acceptance because I never saw anybody like me in the media. And I thought, oh, I must be wrong, especially because a lot of disabled people are shown to be asexual, but it got to a stage where I really had to look at myself and go, why, why am I getting on with life? But I feel this sadness and uh, I was like, oh yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I, I was like, I relate so hard to, no. <laughs> Dan and I just went and recorded a, um, a documentary yeah. about gay conversion therapy. Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> we met this man called Mike. We went to Belfast yeah. uh, in Northern Ireland, and we met this man called Mike, and we have a clip of us walking into Mike's mm. um, home to play, actually. So let's get that clip up. Hi, Hi Dan. Dan. How you doing? I'm James, and that's Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi. Come in. Thank you for coming. So this is where we usually do the work. Uh, I'm Mike Davidson and I run Core Issues Trust, which is a charity that takes people seriously who say they want to move away from homosexual practices and feelings. <laughs> why, why do these people exit? <laughs> why can't we just 
Shoot them off. <laughs> <laughs> so now, obviously, th- so this was recorded for BBC Radio 1. Yeah. Um, so we had a producer with us the whole time upholding the BBC Trust. Um, and we had to be very careful about what we did and, and what we didn't say. Um, we had to create a very articulate, structured, professional documentary. So on that podcast documentary, we weren't allowed to call him a cunt. <laughs> But on our podcast, we are allowed to call him a cunt. What a matchy cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of believes that being gay is triggered by um, a same sex, uh, by past trauma. So like, he would suggest that something traumatic had happened to all of us when we were younger. Like, like stubbing your toe. Oh, uh, yeah, stubbing your toe. <laughs> I'm gay now. <laughs> I think the most amazing thing to happen after that documentary is Dan and I's experience with religion and being queer going forwards. Talking of which, uh, a few weeks ago, we met up with Megan Phelps Roper, who used to be part of this homophobic church in Kansas called the Westboro Baptist Church. They're quite famous from the Louis Theroux documentaries about America's most hated family. And Megan turned her back on her entire family to leave the church in her mid to late 20s. And here's one of the moments from the interview where we were talking about the shame that she'd caused the LGBTQ plus community by being part of that family. 99.9% of mankind is headed straight for hell and there's nothing you can do about it. Guys, right? Wait, 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 I'm gay. The left of God is a very small remnant. Yeah, I, yeah of, course, of course you are. You're, if, you're, if you don't repent, if you're engaged in some filthy conduct, you're headed straight for hell and there's nothing you can do about it. Megan, we've really no idea where to start. And <laughs> for me personally as well, it's really difficult because obviously your family... And you included in that caused so much pain and shame for a lot of my LGBTQ plus family around the world. So it's really hard to know how to start. <laughs> no, I know. That's why when you said it was one of your favorites, it's it sometimes it's it's nice to talk to people who I mean, obviously, Westboro caused a lot of pain. I personally caused a lot of pain to a lot of people. And so meeting people who saw it as ironic or didn't take it seriously, it's nice to know, you know, sometimes that it, I don't know, it's just a little bit of a... It makes it easier if people are joking about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it doesn't take away the pain that everybody else suffered, but it does... You know, just it, it's just an, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of the word. I, sav is a, is a word I'm is a word I'm thinking of, but it's not it's not exactly what I'm reaching for. But obviously now and um, since leaving the church, you've got this amazing message that you're taking out to the world. You're basically saying that conversations and accepting each other and understanding is is how we move forward and stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, so having spent all my years growing up at Westboro and and being taught by everyone that I love that, you know, God hates gay people and Jewish people and everyone outside of our congregation, and then, you know, coming to the place, and that was for for decades, for for more than two decades, I stood out on, on, on picket lines proclaiming that message and absolutely wholeheartedly believed it. And the fact that it was conversations on Twitter that were the the key moment, that was the, the key thing that started to, you know, make me question and doubt and then ultimately to reject Westboro's ideology, it has taught me the power of civil conversation and, and reaching out to people that we disagree with. Obviously, there's a lot of gay people listening. So what's your, like, what do you want to say if you have anything you well, want first, to Well, first, yeah, first, I'm so sorry for all of the years that I spent spreading a message that was so incredibly hurtful to so many people. Obviously, I did it because I thought it was the right thing, and I stopped doing it when I believed that it was wrong. But I know that that can't undo any of the damage. It can't 
bring back any of the people who, you know, who, who hurt themselves and who felt like they, they had no place to go because of groups like Westboro. And that is, you know, a devastating thing for me to consider now. And all I can do is be better and try to do what I can to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore. Don't look at me when you say that. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm, we're cool. I'm just like, <laughs> let's everyone else. <laughs> I, I, I was looking at you, but I was thinking of, I was thinking of those. You know, like, no, the, don't look at me. I don't want the responsibility of having of to the, respond to that. The, actually, this is really amazing. So I'm going to talk about this. Um, I'm, and maybe he's one of your listeners. Okay. Um, I got a message. I think, what are, I think the most amazing thing that has come out of um, publishing this book was a message that I got from someone. I think he lives in Manchester, actually. Um, and he said that at the height of Westboro's, you know, at their heyday, um, he was a, a young person, you know, struggling with his sexuality and that he would, as a form of self-harm, consume Westboro's content compulsively. And that hearing me dismantle, the, you know, dismantling these arguments from the outside has given him a sense of peace and closure. And getting messages like that, it just... That is why I'm doing what I'm doing, and I, it's it's amazing to know that there that there is some good coming out of out of all of this. A gay and a non-gay, two unlikely friends take on the world. We're in an emergency at the minute, and we're all got to try and eat less meat, and we've all got to try and drink less milk. Right. And this is this cooking with cum business can go a long way. I to to, to bring down your your. Let, lest we forget, we're in the middle of a climate change emergency. Dan, I don't think that the solution to climate change is giving up milk and drinking cum. <laughs> well, you... and I don't know why, as a non-gay, you are so obsessed with this book, Natural Harvest. I'm, obs- I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with trying to stop climate change. I've got my right. girl Greta going on a, 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 a ship round the world. I'm trying to do what I can. Drinking less milk is a good start, and this book is really helpful for right. cutting down my milk intake in the kitchen. Great. Semen is, is, is a fantastic thing. To, to quote this book, it's not only nutritious, but um, it's got a palatable texture and wonderful cooking properties, like fine wine and cheese. The taste of semen, it's complex, it's dynamic. I'm so um, it sorry. Produces... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, and I quote, semen producers can generate a wide range of semen tastes simply by making my Minor dietary adjustments. This is my favourite bit. Semen is inexpensive to produce, right? Um, (laughs) And it's commonly available uh, in most, if not all, homes and restaurants. But despite all these qualities... Semen remains neglected as a food, and this book aims to change that. Right. Does anyone else here cook with semen? Good. (laughs) So it is just you. There's some great recipes in there. Can I just talk you through some of them? Oh, yeah, please. I'm sure we'd love that. Um, So my (laughs) favourite... My favourite is this drink. Uh, It's a high-protein smoothie. Um, Actually, just just got one here. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God! Um, I'll just... Uh, is that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just want, drank from it. You want to try some? No. Um, this book is great. It's got recipes for all sorts of... Every, every part of the day, really. Really? Um, so, you know, another uh, of the big environmental problems at the minute is fishing. We're right, running out yeah, of fish. Yeah. Uh-huh. So a good way to combat that, because I, uh, I love oysters, guys. Do you like oysters? Yeah. Everyone likes oysters. Well, they're not good for the uh, overfishing problem, I've got to right. tell you. But I've okay. got a solution to that in the form of man-made oysters. <laughs> and that presumably you just um, spaff into the shell and, and that's a man-made oyster. That's a bit of a crude way of putting it, James. I honestly cannot. I feel like this is like a, we've stumbled into the worst episode of Come Dine With Me ever. <laughs> 
Resavor the feeling of a silky, succulent oyster slipping down your throat <laughs> by using the shells as semen-serving dishes. Can we... Can we start the podcast I just now? want to get on to... So that's sort of like your main... And sort of for a, a, a dessert, um, which, lest we forget, dessert is the climax of any meal. Why not try and make some creamy cum crepes? <laughs> <laughs> Sex, bums, and Dan being a lad. So when we do our podcast live, we love to do a feature called Things That Dan Can't Say. Because I don't know if you've noticed, guys, but lately, straight white men just don't have enough freedom to, to say what they want, right? And it's hard out there. Like, there's always some LGBT person ready to just pop up and tell them off. So, um, so we, get, we give Dan a bit of freedom to say whatever he wants in a feature called Things Dan Can't Say. And we're all going to get into this. But I just want everyone to know we're not allowed to be offended. Okay, so we'll hit it. I'll start off and then you guys join in. It's time for Things Dan Can't Say. Things that Dan cannot say. Things that Dan cannot say. He's on the wrong track, baby. Things that Dan cannot say. Things that Dan cannot say. Things that Dan cannot say. He's on the wrong track, baby. Things that Dan cannot say. Okay, take it away, Dan. Is This actually comes from being at your house right. or your Edinburgh house. You know those large sort of cushions that uh, that you, you put your feet on, basically? They're, they're named after um, a French word. Right. <laughs> I think everyone knows what the word is. Okay. Um, so they're, like, they're a bit like chairs. You, you sort of move them around a bit and you right. put your feet on them. Or, I mean, in some cases, you can sit on them. Okay. Um, they're very versatile. You can use them as a seat. Right. Um, obviously, I'm a very... Uh, I'm, I, you're a woke person. Yeah. Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> so is it okay to call that what it is? Because is it using... Just say it. Is, it okay? Say it. is it okay to call that cushion? Just uh, say it. It's fine. Is yes, it's your right. time, Dan. No, no just, one's going to be offended. Just say it. What if you let me say it? Then I will. Um, is it okay to call that cushion a, a puff? Because that's a, <laughs> that's, a homo- it... that's a homophobic term. And is yeah. that quite triggering right. to hear? So you're asking me, is it okay to call a puff a puff? Well, that's difficult, isn't it? Is anyone else offended by that? If someone's like, oh, can I, can I put my feet on your puff? Is that offensive? It kind of is offensive, though, isn't it? Why is it called a puff? Why can't it just be called a cushion? Well, I think it was probably called that first. What, and, and then, then the people... slur came. But why are they slurring people with that word? It's a cushion. I don't know. It's lovely. I think you can call a puff a puff. I can? Yeah. Oh, my God, tolerance. <laughs> I mean, it's up to you as well. Do you think Dan can call a puff? A puff? Yes! yes. <laughs> That's things Dan can't say. <laughs> things that Dan cannot say. Things that Dan cannot say. He's on the wrong track, baby. Things that Dan cannot say. Things that Dan cannot say. Things that Dan cannot say. He's on the wrong track, baby. Things that Dan cannot say. A gay and a non-gay. So earlier in the week, I pitted uh, James, a gay man, against um, some women of colour. And today, I'm going <laughs> to... I mean, wow. <laughs> today, I'm going to pit uh, James against Susie in a game of bigotry bingo. Lovely. Um, so the rules are, uh, James is going to reel off um, a f- something that, that you shouldn't say to a gay person. You're going to say something that you shouldn't say to a lesbian. Also known as a gay person. Also known as a yeah, gay person. Yeah, but that's fine, yeah. Uh, and the wi- <laughs> <laughs> 
And the winner is the person that... Well, the loser is the person that runs out, basically. Okay. Um, I'm ready. And the winner is the other person. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Ryan, let's roll it. Bigotry bingo. Wow. That was nice. That was lovely. There's always, like, an angry mob behind him <laughs> in that, going, woo. Um, okay, so are we ready to do this? Yes. Now? That's so gay. Um... Uh, there's only one Kylie, Kylie Jenner. Oh, that's awful. Um, uh, you wear makeup. Are you a lesbian? Do you know Elton John? <laughs> Do you know Sandy Toxic? <laughs> <laughs> um, a guy once said to me, why is your coat so heavy? Is it full of dildos? A guy once said to me, your coat's so heavy, is it full of dildos? And I said, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> I'm uh, Dildo Baggins. Can you take... Dildo Baggins? Woo! <laughs> uh, can you take me shopping? Uh, do you know Super Perkins? <laughs> <laughs> the Spice Girls are terrible. Do you know Claire Balding? <laughs> <laughs> do you know David Furnish? <laughs> I'm out of lesbians. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, are you really good at parking? <laughs> and yes, I am. <laughs> uh, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Um, oh, no, wait. Oh. I'm trying to... Uh, oh, what you need is a good hard cock. Oh, my God. I'm out. <laughs> that, I was heckled with that. No. Yeah. What do you say to that? Uh, well, uh, this probably... Just uh, it ignore, just ignore no, it. You know, it can go in the podcast. I was in a comedy club in Cardiff... And um, it was a bit rowdy. And I was having quite a nice gig, but they were um, tricky. And uh, one man stood to heckle, which is a bold move, a very bold move. And he shouted, what you need is a hard cock. <laughs> which, I mean, is lovely in the accent. You, you can say anything in a Welsh accent. It does sound sort of charming. But uh, he said, what you need is a hard cock. But this man looked dreadful now listen we shouldn't judge people on, our look, on their looks but this man i absolutely could so then what i decided to do and i'm not saying it's the best moment as a stand-up or a human but i then made him stand put the lights upon the audience and explained all the ways all the reasons why i wouldn't fuck him just by looking at him <laughs> <laughs> and i would say that he will never go to stand-up comedy again <laughs> he oh left my after God. my set and i felt like i'd won but then i had to have a shower to be like oh wash off the evil wash <laughs> off the evil oh that's actually really horrible yeah but he was awful and he felt very silly afterwards. Yeah. Did he apologise? Not really. He was like, oh, you need to be able to take a laugh. And I was like, no, and I do that for a living. You're all right. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I guess we hear those kind of things a lot, don't we? Yeah. You, and sort you must of, have heard that before. Yeah. I, I mean, there was a, I would say my most frequent heckle has been like, oh, you need you need like a fucking, you need like, like it would be something homophobic. And so I think as, and I've spoken to like Jen Brister and Zoe Lyons and a lot of other gay female comics about this. And a lot of them have said, oh yeah, like we've, we've all got that. And so I think there's like, you have like a bit of an arsenal of put downs that you have to have in sort of a rowdy comedy club environment. You know, where you're like, well, you know. So you it, can fire back. Yeah, like if I was going to go back onto solids, it wouldn't be for you. You know, and it's just like, a, it's just like, I mean, it's a boring put down, but it does do the job, you know, yeah. and it's not, it doesn't make you feel great, but you sort of have to do that in that situation. That's really annoying. Yeah. I, I'd, that's almost. Yeah. Homophobia is annoying. It's do you know so what? Annoying. Thank God someone said it. 
God, wow. I'm trying you. to think of what the equivalent would be for me as a gay person performing stand-up. Like, that would be like, would that be like a woman? This would never happen. And I, I wonder why. But a woman standing up saying, uh, what you need is a big fanny. <laughs> what right? you need is a massive vag. <laughs> that would never I'm happen. coming to your show tomorrow and heckling with that. <laughs> oh, my God. That, I mean, I would die. In a Welsh accent. <laughs> <laughs> what you need is a big vag. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up for Susie Ruffle, everybody! Oh, thanks so much. What a pleasure. A gay and a non-gay. I had to do an interview the other day. I was really angry, but mainly because like you just completely threw me under the bus. <laughs> yeah, well, it was an interview with BBC Suffolk. Yeah. And I'm having some health stuff, so that's kind of why I pulled out. But also, I'm really glad I did because there was someone else in the interview that would have really triggered me. James texted me saying, I've just been sick into a bin. Can you do this interview? I said, yeah, when is it? And it was basically like, right now. <laughs> yeah, three minutes time. I was in Waitrose. And I'd bought like £25 worth of stuff. Well, I was in the queue to buy about £25 worth of stuff. And I was like, oh, God, I'm just going to have to dump this and walk out to do this interview any second. And I, I would never, ever do an interview on my phone anyway because it just the signal isn't great and anything can happen in the street. So firstly, there's a lorry that drives past me. You know, the whole of Suffolk has got to wait for this lorry to go past. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in a car park. I was in. T- I was like a church car park or something. So I was like, "Well, it can't. There can't be that much footfall." I mean, there was because then some dog starts, starts chasing after me. I'm not like president of the dog fan club particularly. Like I'm kind of indifferent towards dogs. Well, I'm not indifferent. I don't hate dogs, but if there were no dogs in the world, my life would be better than it is now. Put it that way. <laughs> I, dogs are the most beautiful things in, in the world. They have so much love to in, give. In your opinion. Also, the way that they're breeded is... I don't is, think you want to be loved. The way that they're made... I don't is, care how is, they're made. Well, you should care how think, they're made. Well, you, you should, should care. care how milk's made, but do you drink lattes? Yes, you do. So, so do shut you. up. So do you. I actually don't anymore. I've oh, stopped drinking milk as much as possible because I think it's gross. I'm not getting into this discussion no, because I you're more than happy have... to eat meat and everything else. Anyway, I'm on there on BBC Suffolk and some dog starts running towards me. Where's the lead? Great question. I'm on the phone to BBC Suffolk and they're asking me quite some, some quite tricky questions, actually, which I wasn't really prepared for. And I just, I just wasn't expecting that level of discourse because the interviews that we've been doing have pretty much been the same, the same questions. So I was like, you know, they don't really want to be answering this. A, on a phone in the middle of the street where my signal isn't great. And B, when there's a dog coming at me. So eventually I had to say on, on air, sorry, a dog is chasing after me, hold on. I think I handled it very well under the circumstances. And then... I had to basically just shout at this dog owner who would do nothing to stop this dog attacking me when I'm live on the radio, saying, can you get your dog away from me? And they did. At this point, I'm pretty sure the presenter turned my mic down because he could hear the cacophony going on in the background. I mean, it's the most hilarious thing I've ever heard. And the reason I think it's legal, still legal, is because of Brexit, <laughs> put it, to put it frankly, and nothing is getting done. Ah, the dog. Yeah. Sake, sorry, the dog going after me. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Um, Everything okay, Dan? You sound like you're being mauled by. Um, sorry. Um, yeah. Sorry. Everything okay, Dan? Uh, yeah. Sorry, I've just lost my train of thought. Um, I'm glad everyone thinks it's funny and people think everyone's been tw- tweeting me. But what do you think? I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. What would you do? If you're getting was... attacked by some, something live on the well, radio, being attacked? Oh, of course I am. What kind of dog was it? I've no idea. It was big and it was invading my space to the extent where I had to shout at somebody, get it away from me. I mean, why didn't you just stroke it? I'm on the radio, live, Yeah, but just talking. put your hand on his neck and just give it a stroke and I, it'll be fine. No, it's running at me. Why are you running? 
I'm running away from the dog. When did, who's, <laughs> when did you start running and why? I'm on the radio. I was trying to get away. I was trapped, by the way, because I was essentially in front of a school. Did or you a just church provoke or the dog? No, I didn't provoke. They probably me. thought you were playing with it if you started running away. Well, I was just trying, trying to get away from it. They, this owner, who was nowhere to be seen for about 30 seconds, suddenly appears and thinks that it's completely fine to just have a dog, like, attack somebody when they're live on the radio. I know he doesn't know I'm live on the radio, but I am visibly trying to get away from the dog. I don't walk down the street with... Say if I did have chickens, I wouldn't just, like, let them loose and, you know, let them into the wild when people are on the radio trying to do interviews. <laughs> people on the radio. Do I come into your studio when you're doing the, 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 your breakfast show on the radio with chickens and just start letting them loose? Do I? No, I don't. I'd love it if you did. You would not love it if I did. I You'd be would. like, what the hell are you doing bringing chickens into the studio? No, Dan Hudson is having a meltdown this week about <laughs> dogs. Also, I shouldn't have been doing that bloody interview. It was your interview. You bailed on it, like, two minutes before we were supposed to go on. I honestly just don't get why you're afraid of dogs. What happened to you? It's not a question of whether I'm afraid of dogs or not. But you are afraid of dogs. I wouldn't use the word afraid. But you just, are afraid. Just... That's why you're running from a dog. No, I'm running because I'm on the bloody radio. And I, whether it was a dog or a chicken or... or <laughs> it's not going to chase you. I don't mind dogs that are, like, clean and have, have a, like, a respect for my personal space. Unfortunately... I don't really come across them. Do you not find it funny when they're in the street and they start sniffing at each other, up in each other's bum holes? No, not really. Especially when in London when it's taking up valuable space. Gosh, you're so uh, Matthew, I'm so happy you're here. Yeah. I'm really happy to be here. I love Thank this you. podcast. The book kind of begins with the past, which I think is really interesting. And one of the things that I just found so upsetting was because I didn't really realise that this stuff was being said, I guess because I was too young. Um, but it made me realise very clearly that I live in a sort of hangover from this time. And I think it's an MP that said in the 80s something similar to the best way to stop HIV and AIDS is by gassing gay people. Yeah, I mean, there's so many of those kind of quotes. It's really interesting. Just a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure people will, will have seen it on Facebook and Twitter. Someone had tweeted they'd capped the cutting from 1993 when... Uh, yeah. The Daily Mail had said something like, gay, gay, was it gay cure hope or gay abortion hope or something, that there was some discussion that there may be a gay gene and that meant that the hope was some mothers could possibly abort fetuses that were gay. And uh, I, I remember reading that, but that just wasn't that shocking at the time because it was just so much of it. In the 80s, there was a, a really horrendous one, which I've got at home, a, a cartoon in The Sun, which, which I talk about in the book, where it's a long, complicated story, but a celebrity's son had come out and they'd reported it and he'd said that it was fine that his son was gay, which I hadn't actually seen. I remember seeing the next day in The Sun that they, they, um, they published this, this cartoon. It was a cartoon. It wasn't even like a serious thing. It was like this jokey thing. But this 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 guy, the cartoon of a guy hanging his son from a lamppost with a noose, with like you know his eyes bulging, his tongue tongue bulging out. And a friend of his looking up, saying, "See, I told you, your dad wouldn't take it so well, Rodney." It was just this constant messaging in the media that you shouldn't be here. You should be dead. That's what we were kind of told. And I think my generation in particular growing up in the 80s being a teenager in the 80s was particularly hit by that because we just didn't have the support if we'd been a bit older we would have had the community as it was to get some help from but we didn't so I was completely isolated reading that stuff hearing tv saying kind of you know it's not okay even the guardian at one point there was an article that the guardian wrote about aids which was people were really offended by I've never actually read it I couldn't find it but I read about it you know it was it was an onslaught from from everyone so it was really really a really hard time and and we live with that which is why I wrote the other one actually pride which is about the history because I was so surprised when I was promoting straight jacket the young people would say to me oh my god I had no idea it was that bad in the 80s 
and to me it was it's very fresh you know it just feels like yesterday so i wanted to write a bit more about the history so you talk a lot about drugs and the sort mm. of london i don't know what the, i would term it as but i guess like the london gay drug scene it's not just london there's i mean it's ev- it's everywhere a friend of mine actually who, who you know said oh it's london i'm gonna leave london and went off to cornwall and bing tapped into all the people there you know oh, is it, is it oh it's all over the place yeah where yeah i mean like of course straight people use drugs too but i think when we talk about drugs with with gay and by men it's normally like talking about chemsex and methadone and g and all these kind of things i mean it is shocking that problem and it, i mean how do we talk about it it's still really sensitive it's still really painful and i know a lot of people i've known people who someone i used to i knew years ago who just was an amazing young activist, really, really incredible man. He died uh, from a drugs overdose, but it's all been kept hush-hush because the family don't want to talk about it because people don't want to say, yeah, my son died from a drugs overdose. You know, So it's, it's, it's hard, but if we don't talk about it, how do we ever address it and that's just what I was saying just about you know, people, people yeah it's all okay. we can do and I and I and, I, and being in recovery it's great because you do see people coming in in a really bad state and then years later you see them you know just developing their lives in a way maybe they hadn't ever thought they could be that in a relationship or new jobs or just doing things you know fulfilling their dreams and ambitions and I think a lot of us certainly when I was drinking my uh, afternoons at the weekend were like literally I remember one time just going home and like I'm gonna buy one small bottle of wine and just drink one and I'll buy five more for next you know the next five (laughs) weeks and obviously I drank the whole lot that that and I was rolling around the floor crying singing Mariah Carey songs and I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Thank God. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it was a really fucking horrible place to be. That do well, you don't need anyone to do that, do you? I used to cry to Celine Dion songs whilst eating McDonald's. Isn't that so? <laughs> well, Celine's great. I mean, sometimes you need to, don't you? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. He's positive, and he told me that he is very open about that. And quite often, guys will say to him, "Breed me." What does that mean? In his circumstance, that means someone wants him to infect them. Am I supposed to know why anyone would do that? No, I don't think so. Why would anyone do that? I have no idea. But it really upset me. And I was trying not to look upset when I was talking to him about it. But, I mean, obviously, I was like, why would people want that? In what way was he... Was he... What he said, people often say to him, like, pause me up. And I guess that's a thing that happens. And And he told me that he... He told me that someone he knew had gone around deliberately trying to get it. Yeah, I I find this really uncomfortable. Why? I just find it really weird. Do you not? Yeah. I don't know where this conversation goes or what we do about it. <laughs> um, I guess just by saying it out loud, hopefully someone will hear this and go, I've been doing that, and then maybe stop and think about it. Or maybe not. Yeah. Maybe they'll think I'm on a soapbox and <laughs> I should shut up. Because I don't I'm... think I've ever felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. Why do you feel so uncomfortable? I don't know. That's so weird, isn't it? Just that that goes on. It's so sad. Sorry. I think I've ever seen you cry. Well, I wasn't was it, so drugged it, it up on antidepressants. I think I'd have probably been set off by that. It wasn't a full cry. Um... It wasn't a full cry, it was just a tiny one. <laughs> I'm still a man. Cheers, mate. I'm not going to meet a gay on the pizza tour. Why not? Because it's the day of Stonewall 50. How do you know Scott's not gay? Because any gay in their right mind would not be going on a pizza tour on the day of Pride. Why? Because they don't match up. 
Yeah, they do. They, no, they might... don't. Oh, my God. They are so... They are completely different things. Just don't have the pizza. Come for the tour. Come for, come for the bus. But again, like, I don't want to be there. Why? Because I'd rather be celebrating Pride or, uh, like, some cute drag brunch somewhere in Brooklyn, like... Oh, so you'd have a yeah, drag like, brunch? What are you going to have at your drag brunch that's not carbs? Mimosas. Or, you know, I'll be at home doing my makeup and getting glitter on and listening to Kylie. I don't necessarily want to be lording around New York eating different pizzas. What is this? I mean, you've been obsessed with this for so long. On TripAdvisor, Scott's Pizza Tour is number 20 out of 160 food and drink stuff in New York City. Number 20 stuff. You know what I mean? Restaurants, tours, whatever. 43 pounds per adult. Is that how much it costs? Let's not get bogged down in how much it costs. That's a lot of money. Yes, but it's a lot of pizzas. 800 reviews on TripAdvisor. How much pizza is it? Enough. Good morning. I just left my friend's apartment and I'm heading to meet Dan on the day of New York City and World Pride, the celebration of Stonewall 50, the events 50 years ago that led to the queer uprising across the globe. And rather than celebrating that, we're going on Scott's Pizza Tour. People on a tour always ask about, is it okay to put pineapple on a pizza? And it's funny, they're looking for some kind of a permission. And in reality, it's you have to remind people that putting pineapple on pizza is a personal choice that you make that affects nobody besides the person eating it. And therefore, you can't prohibit it. And you, you just can't. You can't prohibit humans doing something that they want to do. And, or that, that, that they feel right doing. That, that they are. The thing that you are. A lover of pineapple on pizza has no impact on you, and it's just the way that I feel right. So if me feeling right makes you feel wrong, that's a you problem. (laughs) Happy Pizza Pride, Scott. Happy Pizza Pride, James. Thanks so much for checking out some of our favorite moments of 2019 on our podcast, Again and On Gay. Yes, and we will be back every Wednesday in 2020. We've got loads planned for next year. You're going to be seeing double of us. Well, hey. <laughs> well, hey. There's his joke. Um, How long did we wait for that? <laughs> so we will see you on the 1st of January, uh, 2020. Yeah, I can't wait. Please help me. <laughs> um, thanks again for all your support in 2019. You're amazing. And if you've listened to our podcast, I just want to say you're part of it by listening to us you encourage us to keep going so everything we've done this year is thanks to you and in turn from the messages we receive from our listeners saying that we've changed their lives you have too you're part of that thank you and don't forget it's not too late to get us a christmas present donate to again and on gay at gaynongay.com forward slash donate nice find us on your socials at gay non gay listen at gaynongay.com or just search non gay at your fave pod app